Welcome to What's Next, the podcast that delves into the exhilarating world of nonlinear careers and the art of successful pivots. Join your host, Tamira Lechner, as she explores the diverse pathways of entrepreneurial spirits who thrive while working and playing across multiple disciplines. Whether you're firmly established in your career, contemplating a change, or simply seeking inspiration, these conversations with fascinating people will ignite your curiosity and inform your own journey. Tune in to discover how mindset and action plus your own secret sauce can lead to extraordinary personal and professional growth, no matter where life takes you. Welcome back to What's Next, a podcast that delves into the exhilarating world of nonlinear careers and the art of a successful pivot. I'm your host, Tamara Lechner, and this week is a weird one because it was scheduled to be our fifth episode with my special guest, Eric Fraser. However, Eric is a little under the weather with COVID. We've all been there. And Eric, if you're listening, I'm sorry you're not here, but I am glad you are taking care of yourself, which is so important when you're starting a new business endeavor. That balance that often is missing, especially when you own your own company. So what I thought we could do today is do a deep dive into pivoting and the reasons for and the skills to pivot and figure out what's next. One thing that I haven't shared with our audience is that my background includes some coaching of high-performance clients, many executives, leaders, founders, and the insights that I learned doing that type of peak performance coaching really inform my what's next career pivot process. And so today I thought I'd share a few of those with you, but I didn't want to just blather on to you. So what I did was I took the transcripts of the work that Eric and I have done to date, and I loaded it into my chat GPT-4 with all its extensions, and I asked it to create some questions that our listeners might find interesting and compelling. So I haven't looked at them yet, but what I'm going to do is read the question that my GPT made, and then I'll give you my answer. So without further ado, let's get started. First one, what are some common signs or indicators that it's time for a professional to consider a career pivot? And how can one differentiate between a temporary challenge and a genuine need for change? Wow, that's a big question and it's actually two questions. So I'm gonna start answering the, what are the indicators that it's time for a pivot? I've been talking with a lot of clients lately, and for some people, these pivots come by chance, and others, it's by choice. And what I mean by that is sometimes you are doing a certain job and you feel like you've made all the impact that you can there. You feel like you want challenges and there are no more challenges available to you in that role. If you've had the exploratory conversation, with HR or whoever you report to in the company. And it's very clear that there is not something else that they need or want you to do. That could be one sign that it's time for a pivot. On an entirely different level, there's also those 
energetic signs where you're feeling a little bit antsy and you don't know why. You are longing for more. You're starting to notice the things that are not right, that negativity bias that humans have that allows us to point out the things that are wrong in a situation more than the things that are right. Maybe that negativity bias is louder and louder and louder. I'm a huge believer that for these types of situations, when it is choice and not chance, that you know. And if you are even questioning, if that thought has even popped up, I wonder if I should go, there's something to explore there. And it may not be that it's time to go. Some of us are more reactive than others and you think it's time to go every day. But really check in with your gut. One of the ideas that I like to float when I'm having the thought of change, a choice of change or not to change, is do you like novelty or do you resist novelty? If you're someone like me who loves novelty, you might want to change just because you're bored. And so that's certainly something to check in. But if you're someone who resists novelty and you are getting these internal signals that are telling you it's time to go, it's time to go, I encourage you to listen. I also love checking in with the people that I think of as my square squad. This is something that Brene Brown talked about. These are the people that you trust implicitly. You trust their decision-making. You like the way they make choices. These people inspire you. If you're unsure what you're doing, check in with them. Ask them what they think. Remember, don't ask people whose advice you wouldn't respect or take. Sometimes we go to our best buddy who maybe hasn't had a great career trajectory, or we go to our sibling or our spouse who has a different vested interest in you staying in your job. Really consider who you can ask that will give you the best answer. So that's if this is a choice, this pivot is something that you're choosing. But for many people, these happen by chance. And that means being laid off, being downsized, or maybe it's time for retirement. Maybe you're just starting out in your career and it's time to begin. Again, we have these points that feel linear. And I really love Bruce Feiler's work on a life being nonlinear. In fact, the things that feel like pivot points are where the life is built. So whether you are starting brand new at the beginning of your career, you've just left school, or you've been laid off and you're starting again, or you've decided you didn't like what you tried first and you want to try something else, whatever it is, your gut will tell you if you can't stop thinking about change, it is time to change. Second part, how can you differentiate between a temporary challenge and a genuine need for change? Again, this is almost a layer on that first question, but this is about choice. And if you have hit a challenge, something that's hard, often our resistance to change is so strong that we want to leave. That fight, flight, freeze comes up and says, this is not for me. I don't like this. I'm out of here. If you are moving away 
from something? A boss you don't like, a colleague you don't like, a new rule at the workplace, a new addition to your workload. I would suggest that that's not the right time to move and the right way to move. You need to move toward something. So if you're moving toward a job that gives you more money, frees up more time, allows you to learn more, allows you to travel, these are great reasons to move toward a new career, toward a pivot. So what we've talked about is listening to your gut, moving towards something rather than away from something. All right, let's check in with question two for my AI bot. In your experience, what are the most effective strategies for managing the fear and uncertainty that often accompany the decision to pivot careers? That's an interesting question because as I mentioned, before. I love novelty and change is exciting to me. And I know that my reaction and response to change is not typical. Many of the clients that I coach find the idea of change almost paralyzing. And so I think let's start with the fear because fear and uncertainty are different. Fear changes your heart rate, changes the way you breathe, changes the way you make decisions. Your anatomy shuts down and doesn't allow you to make your best choices when you're scared. So I actually think that you need to downregulate that nervous system response before you make any decisions and perhaps on an ongoing basis if this is something that's reoccurring during your career pivot. One thing that's very interesting is that that response that comes up, that stress anxiety response, it's nature's way of putting us on guard. And that's not a bad thing. When you're going to be in a position where you've got new demands and things that you need to focus on and pay attention to, that response is actually designed to make just that happen. One of my favorite emotion researchers, Dr. Lisa Barrett-Chan, talked about her example of this as rather than trying to quiet the butterflies in your stomach, you're actually going to train them to fly in formation. So the way I like to do this is deciding if you personally need to calm the fear, if you need to press through the fear, or if you need to move and get rid of the fear. Three really great choices. So move can be getting up, stretching, going for a walk, Soothing can be gentle touch, anything that Kristen Neff would call self-compassion, giving yourself a hug, telling yourself it's going to be okay, using an affirmation that says, I got this, anything that works for you or that has worked for you in the past. Uh, the other one is using that thought process to talk yourself through this, which doesn't work if you're paralyzed by fear, but if you're just a little bit fearful, you can shift that fear by reminding yourself, what's the worst thing that could happen here? Maybe I fumble. Maybe I don't get it perfect the first time. When have I done this before? When have I had all these worries and fear, fear feelings and nothing happened? Nothing came true. That type of talking yourself down works for some people. But for most people, I would suggest either some type of physical exercise, especially outside if you can do that. 
a meditation practice, a breathing practice, anything that calms you and brings you back to peace. I know some people have pictures of their family on their desk and just taking a quick look at that picture can bring down the fear. Now, what about uncertainty? Uncertainty is always there. And it's so funny that people assume that things are more uncertain when you've made the choice to pivot. But actually, life is uncertain in every moment. If, if we didn't learn that as a society from COVID in 2020, we've all practiced living through uncertainty. Take the skills that you learned during COVID and just apply them to this new situation. Connect. Give yourself gratitude and grace. Gratitude for the things that you've done right and grace for the things that didn't go so well. I think, again, it's all a practice, but starting to learn what works for you to regulate and navigate your emotions is really a good place to start for both fear and uncertainty. Let's move on to question number three. How can individuals ensure that their new career path aligns more closely? with their personal values and life goals. And this is accompanied by a, could I share some practical steps or exercises? It's really funny because we're in this space where it's assumed that people know their personal values and their life goals. And actually when I talk to clients, a lot of them show up not really having a firm grasp on what is important to them? What would connect to their sense of purpose, meaning, mattering, values? So one of my favorite things is actually getting to know yourself better. And I wrote a book called The Happiness Reset. It's all about resetting your baseline happiness, the amount of happiness that your genetics dictates, dictate that you should have. And in this, I have Thursday's practice, so I have a practice for happiness each day of the week. Thursday's happiness practice is knowing yourself better. What I'm going to suggest you do is take some surveys that look at your values. This could be the VIA character assessment, VIA, V-I-A. It's online. It's free. It will tell you your top strengths. And then consider if you would use those strengths or how you would use those strengths in the new pivot that you're thinking of doing. There's also some really great career type assessments out there that ask you about the things that are meaningful and mattering to you. Uh, do you love the environment? Do you love animals? Do you want to work with your hands? Do you like being people-centered or would you rather be doing math and just thinking about what do you want to do in your day? Another thing that I have had clients do, because often people get to a point in their career, and I see this especially with highly successful people who had money driving them for a lot of their career. First, they needed to have enough to pay the bills, and then they needed to have enough to have a big house, and then they wanted a second house, and then they wanted more and more and more. And eventually, many of these people hit the point where they recognize that there's never going to be enough money to fill the hole, that there's something else they're looking for. And often this is when they arrive to me as a coach saying, how can I do work that matters? And we start with an exercise and I have them list 
all of the things that they're curious about. So just writing down a list. Sometimes they don't even know. And so I'll tell them, go look at your bookshelf, whether you've read the books or not. What books did you buy because they felt important to you? Then think about what gets you gets you angry. What are you passionate about solving? What do you not want to leave undone in your life? Starting to list all of these things. From there, I have them feed it into ChatGPT and say, tell me the top five themes that are in common between all of these dot points that I've mentioned. If you are interested in doing this exercise, by the way, please reach out to me on LinkedIn or in the show comments, and I will get this exercise to you. Basically, there's more layers than that, but you start by asking. The chat GPT then recognizes themes. From those themes, you can say, what are some jobs that would work well for somebody who loves these things if I want to do X, Y, Z? So you can get very honed in. You could say, I want to work remote. I like working at night. I like working in large groups. I like having competing demands. Or you can say, I don't like. Sometimes, and this is a great one, uh, sometimes we are better at identifying what we don't want. The great thing about that is there's always an opposite. So the thing that you don't want is the opposite from the thing that you want. And again, moving towards what you want will find you the role that's perfect, but knowing what you don't want is a great place to start. Next question, question number four. We have two more, by the way. Question number four is about learning from failure. Can you discuss the importance of embracing failure during a career pivot? Ooh, I like this. I think I like it especially because I have been very intrigued by Amy Edmondson's work around mistake tolerance. If you don't know Amy, she first became well-known, at least in my circles, for her work on psychological safety. And this is an interesting story because I used to work for Flourish DX, which is basically a very cool software for organizations to help the humans in the organizations be better, avoid burnout. It's a psychological health and safety platform. Uh, check it out if you haven't. And the founder of that company was often heard saying, there is no psychological safety without psychological health and safety. And so I heard Amy many times being quoted by HR people who thought that psychological safety and psychological health and safety were the same thing. Anyways, Amy's work on psychological safety is wonderful, but the work from Amy that I really like is her work on mistake tolerance. And what she did was identify that there are mistakes that are good mistakes to make. These are the mistakes where you have on purpose tried to do something that's outside of your comfort zone or to innovate something that's never been done before. And you're going to learn from your failure, a way that didn't work, that moves you toward the solution that will work. I often describe other types of mistakes, other types of failures that you don't want to have. So let's think about poor failures in a career pivot. 
um, a poor failure, a, a mistake that you wouldn't want to celebrate or tolerate, that you wouldn't want to repeat, would be sending out a resume that's filled with typos. Really easy to not have that happen. You weren't risking anything. It was just really a silly and careless mistake. Those are the types of mistakes that are not okay during a career pivot. The other types are the ones that, although they are not careless mistakes, they are not conscientious mistakes that you could have solved for. So this would be, I'm trying to think of it. The example that I usually use for this one, because I'm not thinking of a workplace example right away, uh, is if you're cooking. And so a careless mistake would be putting salt in the recipe instead of sugar. But the middle ground mistake would be you did everything right, you put the cake in the oven, and then there was a power failure. So there was nothing different that you could do. There's nothing that you're going to learn from the power failure. So again, not really a mistake that has a teachable moment in it. The type of failure that you can learn from as you are embracing failures during a career pivot, especially if you're applying for jobs, is not thinking of the jobs that you don't get as failures. And especially in this job climate, let me tell you, over the last two years, I have applied for more than 200 jobs. And man, does that build your tolerance for failure. Out of those 200 applications, I probably made it at least to the question period, the first round of interviews, in maybe 15. But there were three or four that I made it through five or six rounds of interviews. And I think what I've learned here is that if I was beaten down, if, if I saw each of these as a failure, I imagine I would be feeling pretty crappy about myself right now. But what's interesting is along the way of applying for all these jobs, what I've learned is number one, there's not a lot of places that I'm interested in working, which is part of the reason that I have such a high failure rate because I'm going for that job. I am not applying for just anything. I'm looking for something where I'm contributing to a movement. And in fact, I'm part of the driver of that movement. And the second thing that I learned, which is why a few months ago I started this podcast, was that I'm going to be creating whatever is next for me, because that is what all of the feedback I got from all of the places that I got multiple interviews or stages. Everybody said, you should be running this company. You should be starting this division. You should be whatever, X, Y, Z. And I started to wonder if everybody else has this confidence in me, why don't I have this confidence in myself? And, and so again, I learned from my failure. I learned that I need to have the confidence in myself that other people have in me. Again, sometimes when you've had a series of failures, you need a little moment to shake it off. And I do love 
the Taylor Swift wisdom, shaking it off can be dancing it out, going for a run, taking a boxing class. It can also be deciding that I am not going to upload my resume onto one more site that tells me it will automatically populate and then doesn't and I have to fill everything in manually. I will not give you my time freely if you are going to waste it for me. <laughs> so if you're an HR person and that's the experience of the people applying for your job, I don't think those people really want to work for you. They're coming for the dollars. On to question number five, maintaining balance and well-being. What a great final question from my AI bot, especially considering that Eric, my normal guest, is maintaining his balance and well-being by not being here this week. So the question is, what advice do you have for maintaining a healthy balance between personal well-being and the demands of navigating a significant career change? Good question. It's very interesting that people think there's a balance between work and life because in my humble opinion, work is part of life. They all go together. Whether you have a job that is something you don't love doing, that you've chosen to do and you go for the paycheck and you come home and you don't think about your job for one second after you get there. I'm thinking right now of an episode of Ted Lasso. If you have not watched Ted Lasso, go watch this show. It is a brilliant show with so many teachable moments. There's one specific moment where Nate, who is the head coach of a football or soccer, as we say in North America club, is talking to his girlfriend, who is a waitress at a restaurant. And he asks her, you know, when you're thinking about XYZ at work when you get home. And she looks at him and she says, I leave work at work. So going back to the maintaining balance, if you have the type of job where you can leave work at work, that is brilliant. There aren't too many people anymore that have that type of work or who are able to separate their home from their work. Even if that means I'm thinking of picking up my children while I'm at work, this is all part of the life we live. There are other parts to this life. So I think of our physical life, our, our working out, our, our nutritional life, our what we put in our body, our spiritual life, your connection to either a higher God, if you're a religious person, the universe, or that collective conscious, if you're a Buddhist, whatever it is that charges your spirit. That's part of, that's one of the plates. So you've got your nutrition, you've got your exercise, you've got your spiritual. Now you've got the material things. So this is your finances. This is your house. This is the taking care of those things. You've got your relationships, another plate. What I'm getting at is we're always balancing all of these things. I'm a daughter. I'm a mother. I'm a spouse. We get really good at getting those plates going. And especially when somebody's putting a new plate on, when you're going to a new workplace or a new set of demands, there is definitely the tendency to let those other plates get a little slower than you would want them to be spinning. This is where I sincerely encourage you to ask for help. Help at home, help with the things you're learning at the job. Don't be afraid to say, I need someone to show me again, or I haven't got that yet. 
definitely being gentle and kind with yourself the way you would to a small child. And I think taking care of your sleep is huge. That would be my very first thing when I'm coaching. I go right as a first point of reference for everything to how are you sleeping? Because if you're not getting good night's sleep, your mood is low. Your body doesn't work as well. Your brain doesn't work as well. Everything is just dampened when your body is running on low sleep. So first thing I want you to take care of if you are transitioning is making sure that you are on a great sleep schedule. If this is hard for you, if you are not a great sleeper, again, send me a message on LinkedIn. I'm happy to send you a whole bunch of strategies about how to get to sleep and stay asleep. So after you've done your sleep, let's look at your exercise. Are you moving your physical body enough? Let's look at your nutrition. Are you feeding yourself with a full range of healthy foods and not snacking and not eating close to bedtime? Let's look at your screen use. Are you on screens and being consumed by screens all day and all night? This is not good for humans. So balancing out these things that you can control will help you to feel less out of control when new things are being thrown at you as you attempt to either figure out what you're pivoting to or once you've figured it out, make that pivot. The last little sub question that was tagged on by the AI is how important is this balance for long-term success and fulfillment? I'm going to say it's huge. When one plate isn't spinning, if you could see me right now, um, if this wasn't audio, my hands are going crazy. I look like I am spinning <laughs> plates all around. But when one plate is off kilter, it throws off the whole balancing act. And so it's really important. And yet also remind yourself that nothing is stably balanced. Life is not a three-legged stool that holds still. It is a bunch of spinning plates and you're going to be moving at different speeds to different plates. There is never just one way to do this. The more you can be flexible and open-minded as you are navigating that pivot, the better it will be. All right. Well, I don't know about you, but I've had enough of me for today. So I really appreciate that I was able to ask the AI to be my co-host today. And I really appreciate Eric being here because I realize how much more fun this is with a guest. And I'm sure more interesting for our audience. But if you have questions for me or for Eric, please do let us know. We have just a few episodes left together with Eric before I'm going to start having some new guests on the What's Next podcast. Thank you for tuning in. And remember, the next chapter of your story is on the horizon. So whether you're listening because you're just thinking that maybe it's ready to unfold or whether you've been thrown out of a plane without a parachute and whether you like it or not, it's unfolding, move toward it and keep charting that unique course. Stay curious, be open-minded, and be brave. Side note, there is not just one type of brave. A lot of people think brave is courageous. Brave is also persistent. Brave is honest. And brave is showing up with zest and enthusiasm. What's next is inevitable. 
enjoying it is all up to you.